Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Boosie. Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. It's Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. I was the WrestleCast like I did last week. Sportscast Radio, damn it. Fun fun fact for you. Um, Do you know why when AJ Styles and Jay Lethal introduces the show, I don't play the other part of the clip like I play the Sportscast Radio, Michael Thompson talking to you. Did I ever tell you the the reason behind that? It's because AJ Styles is like, this is the phenomenal AJ Styles, and you're listening to Sports Radio. I'm like, oh. And a buddy got these got a, got these for me at an ROH like after party he paid for and like went and asked these guys. And then Jay Lethal does this. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed king of the wrestling world, and you are listening to Sports Radio. And I'm like, damn it, both of them were not right. <laughs> like I don't. You were probably you're probably both drunk, and they were like, Sports Radio. I'm yeah. like, I don't know if it was their fault or the guy who got him for me's fault, but I just, I kept my mouth shut and I was like, cool, man, we got AJ Styles on the, on the opener. <laughs> I wasn't going to go play it. And then Tommaso Ciampa was like, I'm the psycho killer. And I was like, whoa, that was aggressive. He, uh, we, were, we were in the locker room and uh, Jeff Jarrett, side wrestle cast story here before we get into our opening guest here. Um, Jeff Jarrett started this thing called Global Force Wrestling, which was basically like, a real company, but not a real company, if that makes sense. And he was leveraging it to just make more money. And they were like saying like all these people signed these contracts and they weren't real contracts or anything. And my partner, uh, Darren, uh, kayfabe, uh, but he goes by the beautiful big boy. We're in the locker room and he's like, Tommaso, man, congratulations on getting that GFW uh, contract. And he's like, <laughs> Joppa looks at him and he's like, it's not a real contract, you fucking Mark. <laughs> he's like, oh, I was like, damn it, there. Why do you, why do you gotta, why do you gotta go up there and try to suck up to these guys? <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, coming up tonight, uh, ten thirty-five. We're gonna be talking some New England Patriots football. Hey. Um, I, I shouldn't say that because I enjoy, I enjoy. Our, 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 we have amazing guests we get from a uh, fan sided network over. Uh, over there, and, and they're always great. Uh, Washington football team coming up in just a couple of moments here. Also, second half, we got to talk about my Tampa Bay Lightning. They're up 2-0, about to go back-to-back in the Stanley Cup. As I told you they were going to, you should have took them in your fantasy uh, football drafting loop, but you don't listen. They're, tr- they're trash. Uh, trash. <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not going to watch the playoffs because Tampa's in it, right? <laughs> Call down, Doof. Um, if, if they're trash, what does that say about the rest of the league, then, if they're about to sweep the Habs? They're way trash. We're going to talk a little bit how the clip going clip. Clippers, you know, they continue to eat the kid's table. They're down by 10, third quarter against Phoenix. Uh, Also, we got to talk about the big TBC on Fox show that happened at the Armory. Myself and uh, former colleague Jordan Jiska were there. Um, It was fantastic. David Merrill Jr. annihilating 
uh, uh, I can't even remember his first name, Caceres. Doesn't even matter. Two two left straights knocked him cold. Went in the locker room, got to interview him. This is a humble ass man. It's a fantastic show. I'm so glad. Uh, shout out to Rob Lear over at uh, Swanson Media and uh, Fox Sports giving us those media passes. It's an awesome show. I'm sure everybody saw me tweeting about it. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk to Giovanna Davis Mario Barrios fight, which was I mean Davis bro goes up two weight classes, gets another dub. It's a banger. Uh, so we got, we got a lot of the docket. We got some Uber facts. We got a couple real MVPs. We got some three strikes. We got a lot to do. But before we get into, into any of that, I'm very excited. Very excited here to jump right into our first guest. Ian, you with us, sir? Yeah, yeah. You got me? Oh, my gosh. Ian Cummings, ladies and gentlemen, representing Regal's Rag. Usually I let them introduce themselves, but this is our first bet back to the show from, from a few years ago is as we've seen a lot of new faces this year, uh, this man has been delivering it back since um, before Alex Smith had uh, two two working legs, if you will. So, that man alone, okay. <laughs> it's always, always a pleasure. But before we get into it, Ian, go ahead and uh, just introduce yourself for all of our newer listeners since last time you were on. Run everything down. Uh, plug, plug what you got, man. I, I'm glad to have you back on. Yeah, God, has it been that long, man? It's- Crazy how, how much I think it was time 20, flies. 2019, because 2020, we didn't do the draft review. Dang, man. <laughs> that, that is insane. Like, I, 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 you were telling me about the number. I, I didn't have it anymore for some reason. I was like, oh, my God, has it been that long? So, yeah, it's crazy how time flies. But, yeah, you guys can find me uh, at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. Uh, Rigo's Rag, obviously, producing a ton of good Washington football team content. I'm also a pro football network doing NFL drafts stuff yes already uh so that's that that grind is starting up too so uh, uh an interesting mix if you will but uh, oh, happy yeah. to be on keaton keaton slovis for 2022 damn it <laughs> i'm gonna start the uh petition hey, now. Sleeping, man. <laughs> i like it i like it hey man uh what's his name uh, elijah Vera tucker took that guy from a third stringer when all those injuries happened to a now top three potential pick but I digress. That that is that is something that I'm sure you know. In, I don't know. Ten months, we'll start talking about. And we'll have to give you a buzz back up. But uh, Luke, I'm going to take this and I'm going to turn it over to you and let you start this because I know there's something that you texted me about about a week ago that instantly I know you want to get to. So I'm just going to let you handle it. Absolutely. I want to talk about Fred Fruit running his mouth on a podcast about this Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, Possibly, is there any truth to this? Uh, Or is this Fred Smoot running his mouth like he did on the Vikings party boat a few, like, ten years ago? What's happening? I'll be honest, I... It's probably running his mouth again. I got to say. I got to say. I haven't seen anything about that. I, I mean, there were whispers, like, closer to the draft that maybe the Broncos were potentially planning about it. But, again, that's all we've heard uh, with this is whispers. You know, uh, I think the, the the biggest thing that we have to see first is whether or not Rodgers is going to show up for the Packers. Uh, that, that's the first domino to fall here. I don't think – honestly, I don't think there's anything concrete there. And, and Smooth's one of those, like, guys, like, sometimes – I'm not sure it's concrete, honestly. I'll be honest. I didn't see what he said. I'm kind of in the. I'm kind of not in the clear here, but I don't think there's anything concrete there. It seems like, and it's it's a, it's a situation where it's really easy to blow out of proportion because hey, he's the you know reigning MVP. Uh, you know, any any one of these quarterback needy teams would be happy to have him, especially Washington, which basically that's really the only thing they need 
So ideally, yeah, you'd like to think that there's something there, but I, I wouldn't jump to I wouldn't jump the gun there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I texted I texted Ryan as soon as I read it, and as soon as I, it came out, I I kind of looked at your guys' roster at Washington, and I feel like the pieces they'd have to give up to get him are the pieces they don't want to give up, like a Terry McLaurin or like a one of those offensive linemen or um one of those defensive linemen either, and Man Montez yeah. Sweat or Chase Young. Like I just feel like they wouldn't have the firepower in depth to go out and get him. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a situation where, you know, I think they were they, they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick because, you know, he is what he is, right? He's a stabilizing agent for the quarterback room in, in the broad scale. You know, you look at him play on Sundays, not super stable, right? But, but you know, in the broad scale, he's an experienced veteran who, at the very least, if he's in a good situation, maybe he can provide some decent football uh, and, you know, at least keep them competitive. I don't think they're willing at this point to give up the assets because, like you said, they have built this really incredible defensive line, pretty solid roster all around. I don't think they're in a position to just dismantle that. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I think, would be worth it. But, you know, it's different looking at it inside uh, inside the organization. Now, I want to jump into that team here, but I, I got the exact thing. Fred Smoot, uh, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy, Smoot said during a recent appearance on 106.7 The Fan in D.C., he then goes on to say, if Aaron Rodgers is on this team with an elite defense running game wide receiver core, we are a legit Super Bowl contender. We couldn't say that for 30 years. We are a legit Super Bowl contender. We have the trade capital to get him. I hate to say it, but you might have to part with one of them bad defensive linemen. So he's campaigning. <laughs> I mean, literally campaigning for for this to uh, go down. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Obviously, you mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick, another guy that we're used to here in Minnesota that didn't do much for us, Taylor Heineke and uh, Carolina Panthers' own Kyle Allen coming over with Ryan Rivera or Ron Rivera. Um, I'm thinking of my, my, myself and Ryan Fitzpatrick here. But what's kind of your sense on this quarterback depth chart? Who's going to do what? Is Fitzpatrick just kind of going to be the placeholder until they really can see what they can do throughout the year and maybe next year? Or do they truly think this guy can do something? Or is Kyle Allen going to come back up and take that spot? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. And, and first off, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers was available and, and the price was manageable for this team, like, I, I, you know, head over heels, go for it, right? Because, he, <laughs> again, he's the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He literally – he basically carried the Packers to the playoffs last year, uh, you know, to where they it's got – It's true. Yeah, that ta- yeah, like, honestly. It's way he true. He's playing so good. Yeah, like, and the Packers, <laughs> it's not a bad roster. But Rodgers elevated them that much more. And so having him for Washington would be insane. But. And let me say this real quick before you jump into those quarterbacks. I mean, you know, as we mentioned, Terry McClure and guys like that, Curtis Samuel coming in, you know, he's dealing with Equinemia St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And yeah. like, obviously he's yeah. got Devontae Adams, but I mean, that's what, you know, he, he doesn't have much of a core upsides around him. So, I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, that guy was a shoo-in to carry that team. We had to watch that monstrosity in Minnesota here, but anyway, I, I just, I, I had, I had to prop you and, and agree with that on there, but that this quarterback, he run this down on this quarterback depth chart for us. Yeah. So obviously the two names to watch, I mean, well, obviously the first name to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's been there, done that for like 
13 teams at this point. Uh, so, you know, he knows what he's doing, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, you know what he is too. You know, he's a gunslinger, but he's kind of a journeyman. You know, he's not going to give you consistent quarterbacks. I know some Washington fans are optimistic. In a good situation, yeah, he can put up a decent starting campaign. We saw him do that with the Jets a few years ago. But, you know, at this point, at this age, I, I think he's past that. I, I personally, like, I want to be optimistic, but I don't think you can commit to that kind of quarterback play for him. That said, his experience does give him a leg up over the quarterback room. As as much as Kyle Allen, you know, I thought he was actually decently efficient in the short time he had playing on the field last year before injury. Uh, but I'm not sure he has the inside track to that to that battle. I think Taylor Heineke, if anyone is going to usurp the starting role from Fitzpatrick, it's going to be Heineke uh, because Heineke, again, he was another guy who showed out really well in a really short window. Uh, he had trouble with injuries last year. He's got to stay healthy. But uh, he was pretty gutsy. Uh, he came in late in the Carolina game, I think, and played really well. And then uh, Washington kind of put their faith in him in the playoff game in Tampa Bay, and we saw he played very well there, too. He was super tough against the eventual Super Bowl champions, you know, had that really incredible diving touchdown play. And, and uh, as a passer, too, he was, it was awesome, man. That was, like, one of the highlights of the season for Washington fans. And so, but beyond that, too, like, he was a good passer. And then you look up his athletic measurements. I think he had a four, six, five, forty, and a 35 inch vertical at his pro day. So he's athletic, you know, he can move. And that was something that Washington really lacked last year was mobility in the pocket, the ability to extend plays. Uh, they didn't have that with Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith. Uh, so getting that with Heineke is good. And on top of that, he won over his teammates with his gusty play. Uh, I, I think you have to at least give him a chance to compete. And that was something that I think Ron Rivera regrets from last year because they kind of gave Dwayne Haskins the job. Uh, he was the first rounder. He, he, you know, reportedly was doing a good job like early in the offseason. So that they said, all right, we'll run with him. We'll commit to him. And then it kind of fell flat from there. Uh, so this offseason, I think they're learning from that. They're going to make it a quarterback competition. I think Fitzpatrick has a leg up, but you can't count out Heineke because he has done very well in a short span. He's very familiar with the, Pan- with the former Panthers coaches because he was with them earlier, uh, Scott Turner and Ron Rivera. So we'll see. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm personally kind of rooting for Heineke just because I think well, it's a very exciting storyline. He's a little bit younger, a little more upside. You know, uh, this team is ready to compete. They just need the quarterback to do it. I don't know if either of these guys can get to that level. But, uh, you know, sometimes competition kind of drives that upward. You know, sometimes it's, it gathers the best out of them. So we will see what happens. It's going to be very, very fun to watch at the very least. Uh, real quick follow-up before Luke jumps back in, but were you surprised that after becoming comeback player of the year, whether it was they knew he was going to retire or they released him and then he retired, that they didn't do anything to try to bring Alex Smith back after that 5-1 and one run as a starter? Yeah, that was an interesting, yeah, that was kind of an interesting development for me. Personally, the writing was kind of on the wall uh, after the season. Like, he, he won comeback player of the year, and he deserved it for sure. I mean, coming back from that, there were people who thought he wasn't going to run again. You know, playing football, that's <laughs> way off the table. That's like five miles off the table. We can't even think about that. And then here he comes. He gets on the field against the Rams, gets tackled by Aaron Donald, gets back up. Uh, and then from there, you know, he, he was a very, you know, he was a strong <laughs> hey, leadership. I know. Oh, God. I, I, I think I, I think literally everyone watching that game cringed. You know, like, please get up, please stand up, and and he it, did. It, you know, and he kept standing up. It reminded me of when uh, when Mario Lemieux came back from having uh, Hodgkin's cancer, and he took his first big hit and kind of laid there for a second. I was like, oh my God, they killed Lemieux that peak. 
And then he got up and like went and scored a goal. I was like, "Oh, Mario's okay, yay!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. You kind of, you kind of, your heart skips a beat for a moment, and then you're like, "Oh, wait, he's, oh no, he's good. This poor man. Oh, Mario." <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, yeah. So that was, um, you know, it was a very, it's an incredible story, right? But you know, the the writing was kind of on the wall. Alex Smith individually, as as inspiring as it was for him to get back to the football field, you could kind of tell that he wasn't quite what they needed at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. They weren't really efficient on offense. He wasn't very mobile in the pocket. And, again, you know, that, that price tag, too. Uh, it was just too yeah. much for what he provided. Sure. So, uh, I want to bring up your guys' second-round pick this year, Samuel Cosme, uh, left tackle out of Texas. Me and Ryan both had him going end of the first round, so I think he's a little bit of a steal there in the second. What should we expect to see out of him this year? Is he going to get a chance to – start from day one or is he going to be working as the year goes yeah that's an interesting one that was a that was a fun pick because like you uh, i did a few mock drafts uh, over the course of the offseason and i usually had him you know if, if he wasn't if he wasn't sneaking into the first round he was at the very beginning of the second round uh to me i, I didn't think he was going to go as far as he did uh and he ended up falling into the 50s and washington got to got to kind of snag him so that was fun but yeah i mean athletically off the charts. Uh, he tested as one of the best athletes all time at the offensive tackle position uh, for guys who have testing numbers available. Uh, so he, he's got the good for sure. And you watch him on tape, you know, he's a good lateral mover. Uh, he's, he's got powerful hands, man. He's a mauler. Uh, he's very tough, very aggressive. Uh, I do think he needs some refinement though. I think he needs a little more seasoning is the term we like to use. So I think looking at their tackle situation right now, I'm not sure he starts right away because they signed Charles Leno from the Bears, which, you know, he's not perfect, but he's a good, solid starter uh, who can kind of go in and, and provide them with quality play. Uh, and they've shown they can kind of get the best out of those guys last year because uh, Morgan Moses had a down year in 2019, and then 2020 comes around uh, with John Masco. He took a, he took a jump up again. Uh, so uh, I think they can get good play out of him. And then Cornelius Lucas, they actually signed him from the Bears too. I think he was a swing tackle for the Bears before. They signed him last year. Uh, they, they initially began with Jerron Christian starting at left tackle, and he got injured, and then Lucas filled in and actually played very well. Uh, so I think that Cornelius Lucas, he can play left and right. I think it's going to be a combination of Leno and Lucas, and then maybe if one of them kind of trails off as the season goes on, maybe Sam Cosme develops enough to, to kind of get thrown into the fire and see how he performs and then look at him for next year and kind of reevaluate. I don't, I'm not super confident in him starting right away, but it's good to have a talented guy like that in the wings. Yeah, nothing wrong with having that, especially when you can when you can groom him and, and, and slow. Where a lot of these, you know, first round tackles, Elijah Vera Tucker, we kind of mentioned with with the um, with the USC thing. You know, he's going to get thrown on the fire early. I, I think it's a big yeah. thing with Cosby being able to just kind of let let's get you ready for it. Obviously, this this line, you know, you guys traded in April for Eric Flowers. You mentioned uh, Lucas and Leno, Brandon Sheriff, the first round of the twenty fifteen is in there. Uh, ruler in the center. What's kind of the, the 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 overall thought with this O line? Are they going to be able to keep up whoever is in that pocket? Are they going to be able to make enough holes for the running back that is seems to be by committee? Um, is this is this O line just seems like it's so they're going to get tested, but they seem like they're ready to actually make it work. Is that kind of the thought? Because you know I think they exceeded expectations last year, and now they're having a few changes this year. But I do think you know you look at Leno again; he's been a good veteran for a long time, so he can come in and provide quality play. Uh, Lucas, I mean, 
here's the thing. I think the biggest uncertainty doesn't come from guys like Roulier or Sheriff. Uh, Roulier has kind of quietly become one of the better centers in the league, and I think he can maintain that. And then Sheriff, obviously, we all know he's very good. Uh, you know, he, he won an all-pro award last year. The, the bigger question with Sheriff is do you extend him long-term, and that's something that's kind of still up in the air. But, uh, you know, he's a good guy to have around, a very good guy to have around. I think the most uncertainty comes from Wes Schweitzer and Cornelius Lucas because those guys were the guys that Washington didn't really sign as bona fide starters last year. Uh, They signed them to be kind of depth guys who could compete for starting jobs, and they both ended up winning starting jobs and playing well. Uh, So it's kind of of precarious because while they both played very well last year relative to our expectations – they didn't have that track record of starting experience before that. So there is the potential for regression in 2021. Uh, so you kind of have to be open to that. Now, the good news with that is they do have depth to those positions. We talked about Sam Cosme. Even though I think he needs some seasoning, he is talented enough uh, where I think, you know, maybe half a year, a year, and he can, you know, maybe it clicks for him and he starts to develop and they have a good O-line coach for that. Uh, they traded for Eric Flowers, like you said. Uh, he played with Washington back in 2019, I think, uh, before the Dolphins signed him free agency. Then they traded him back. Uh, but he was actually good uh, when they moved him to guard. You know, he was kind of he was kind of a tackle who was kind of wearing out his welcome in New York after being a top pick, and then he actually turned his career around at guard. So he provides great depth. They have Sadiq Charles, who had some nice excitement as a fourth round pick last year. He's versatile, can play tackle or guard. So I do think. You know, looking at the starting unit, it's solid. But then also one of the most important aspects for an offensive line, because you know there's going to be injuries, you know, in the trenches. Yeah. It, it can get gritty. It can get dangerous. So you know there's going to be injuries. They have the solid depth, too. And that's very important as well. So I do think they're well-equipped uh, to protect whoever's under center. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I think you have, to, you have to be cautious about regression from Schweitzer and Lucas. But aside from that, you know, if, if they can continue – if they can pick up where they left off last year, then there's really not a lot to worry about. They're they're a pretty solid group. Shout out to Flowers on the Jaguars too. I didn't even realize that. He gets laid by the Giants the same month goes to the Jaguars. Plays plays there and he's gone in four months before uh, uh, Washington picks him up. Man, yeah. E-Rex yeah. in the house. E-Rex. <laughs> Is that like oh, is that like Corey in the house on the Disney? Well, I mean, his, his name is E R E C K, like E R E C K. You know, I think like, yeah, kind of Eric. Well, I know it is, but that's that like if my name was Divine Diablo, like I would hope that I'm smashing every human being in my face. You know what I mean? And here's E R E C K coming at you, like he should be swapping people. <laughs> That's funny. By, um, by the way, uh, 10 minutes left. Clippers going to clip down by 18. Suck it, Clippers. You're all trash. You shouldn't even be in the conference finals. Luke, I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> on paper, <laughs> on paper, your uh, guys' running back core looks unbelievable. You guys have Antonio Gibson, who you drafted last year. You bring in D.D. McKissick, um, who did great for Detroit in the return game, also passing. Uh, you guys have Barber still, who is a decent role player. You guys have Lamar Miller. What are we going to see out of this uh, running back core? I know it's going to be the Antonio Gibson show, but what are we going to see from those other three guys, if anything? Yeah, I'm very excited to see Antonio Gibson in year two. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know he really exceeded expectations last year. We knew he was a very talented player, a really good athletic talent uh, with the density and the explosiveness to be good. 
Uh, but he really kind of played beyond his his experience level last year. We didn't really expect him to get 11 touchdowns, but was it over 700 yards, kind of rumbled a few of those weeks. So really showed out. And I think the most exciting thing is that we still haven't seen him, you know, reach his potential as a receiver. In college, in his final college year, he caught more passes than he carried. Uh, so, you know, putting that into it, he does have that receiving ability, that versatility. And I think in year two, you know, starting to the game's starting to slow down for him. I think you can really start to see that kind of blossom for him. Uh, for the other guys, I think, honestly, it's not a spectacular rotation, but it's good. You know, and running backs, you, you talk to draft analysts, running backs don't matter. Like some of, the, some of them say that catchphrase, running backs don't matter. I'm not going to go quite that far, but I will say they are more replaceable than other positions. It's just a skill set. Uh, so you have pretty solid guys, Lamar Miller, a veteran, uh, who can at very least provide that baseline play, especially as the line is strong. Uh, I do think that J.D. McKissick is going to have another strong year. Maybe not as, as productive as last year, but he's a good guy to have around because he's a very solid receiving back. Uh, you know, he, he's not a guy you want as a workhorse, but as a kind of change of pace guy, he, he has some value. And then Jarrett Patterson, the undrafted free agent out of Buffalo, uh, he's, he's tiny. He's tiny, man. He's small. But he's physical. Uh, he's really gnarly. Uh, I think that, you know, between the tackles, he actually plays a little bit bigger than his size. And, you know, his, his small size also kind of naturally gives him some good leverage against tackles. You know, you want to be the lower man. You have that leverage. You can kind of break tackles and that contact balance. He definitely has that. So I think he can use that to make the roster and maybe be a rotational guy, too. I think the most exciting piece is definitely Gibson. But they have enough to kind of survive there for sure. You know, I, I wanted to ask you something different, but I'm, but but he jumped in with the uh, with the running back, and I, I kind of I'm kind of torn. Like when I look at this running back by committee, I understand the 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 aspect of what this this can do, but man, I just I don't see a workhorse in there. Like, am I crazy? Like, I just don't see anything. Like, if I'm if I'm a D line, that running back core doesn't. Jeremy, am I? I, yeah, am I, I like, am I, I? I don't know. Like, I, 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 and I don't mean to like be negative with it, but I'm just like, man, like Lamar hey. Miller, man, he was tight. You know, years ago when he came out of Miami, he had a good year. Peyton yeah. Barber, get, you know, got cut from from Tampa. McKissick leaving Detroit. You know, and I understand these guys signed for free agents, but I see so much upside with this. But man. I just don't see a world beater. And I think that's my only, like, precaution with it. Yeah, they have a lot of role players. Like you said, I mean, Peyton Barber, he was kind of their short yardage back. I think he's going to continue to have that role this year. J.D. McKissick was the receiving specialist. He doesn't provide much value outside that. And then Lamar Miller, he does have that experience, but at the same time, hasn't really been a guy you can depend on. Now, you know, in his role, you got to you got to factor expectation into it. I don't expect him to get more than like, you know, 40 carries on the year. You know, he's just a guy, even if he, if, if he, if he even makes the roster, if he makes the roster, he's just a good guy to have for depth purposes. I think Antonio Gibson is your best chance at having a workhorse back, but I, I don't think he's quite there yet. Do I think he can get there? Absolutely. He's six foot two, two twenty. He's super dense, super explosive. And he's only going to trend up, you know, especially if this offensive line is good. A lot of running back performance is dependent on offensive lines. Can they pave those lanes for them? That's such a big thing. Uh, so if, if they can, you know, kind of play up to their potential and, and meet those expectations that we have for that front blocking unit, then I think Antonio Gibson can start to grow and kind of take on a more authoritative role uh, in this mm-hmm. team. But I do agree 
You know, no one is completely proven. And I think that's, you know, that's where the, the passing offense comes into play. Like, they, they added weapons like Diami Brown uh, they, to, to complement Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. So they, they have added a lot. And you hope that passing offense can at least be competent this year. Because last year, they really had to depend on the running game and the defense sometimes because the passing game just couldn't do anything. So hopefully they'll start to pull their weight and it can be a little more of a versatile offensive attack. And, and that's, that's, just, that's, that's a good way to look at it too. And that's kind of like, and that's kind of where I was in my head. I'm thinking, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate, you know, that, you, that there's not the, you know, the guy to it, but you know, you keep the fresh legs out there and you, you rotate right and you play in the right situations and teams have proven you look back, you know, the Trent Dilfer, days when he was on, you know, Trent Dilfer won a title in, in, in Baltimore. They didn't really have offensive weapons. They just role-played. Everyone everyone did a little bit. You look at that old Tampa yeah. Bay team with Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstott. They kind of, they had their situations that kind of worked. So I totally agree with that. They, you know, it was just something random. I just kind of popped up. And um, what, one thing I do want to want to ask before Luke asks his last uh, offense question here, how do you feel about your tight end situation? Logan Thomas coming in. Making making his, you know, ne- next next run, if you will. This team has had a nice history of really good tight ends before this, and now it just kind of seems like there's a small amount of a logjam. Uh, to Merrick Hemingway, John Bates comes in in the fourth round. You know, even as far as the guy like Ricky Seals Jones, who I was a fan of, hoping was going to be good in Arizona. Where are you looking at this tight end position to be effective in this offense? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a position you can have modest optimism for heading into the season. Uh, you know, I, again, I don't think it's the best unit in the league, but Logan Thomas was very good last year, and, and you know, I, I think he's old. I think he I think he recently turned thirty. I'm not sure if he didn't. He's around there. He's around there for sure. But he doesn't have as much wear on his tires because you know, mainly across his career, he hasn't had the workload of a starting tight end. He's kind of been a backup guy a rotational guy who, who only serves kind of that ancillary purpose. Last year was the first year that he really got, you know, they kind of took the, you know, they kind of gave him more of a, more of a role and he actually thrived in it. So I think that this year with hopefully competent quarterback play, he can, he can kind of carry on what he did last year. We'll see. It, it might be optimistic, but he's athletic enough and he proved last year that he's tough enough to make those contested catches outside of him. I feels Jones is a guy that I like. Uh, you know, for, for what he is, for what they brought him in to be. You know, uh, he's the guy who's going to compete for a roster spot. If he makes it, I think he has some enough receiving ability to come in as a spark plug occasionally. I'm really interested to see Samus Reyes because uh, he was signed as a basketball player from Tulane. Uh, he's a very athletic guy, uh, extremely athletic, like off the charts. Uh, but, again, he was a basketball player, and that is very different from football. We've seen those guys try to – translate to the NFL. You know, Colts tight end Mo Ali Cox did it, uh, but it, it, it's a learning curve for sure. I'm not sure we can expect him to contribute right away, but it'll be fun to watch. And if he doesn't, if he's not ready right away, they can stash him on the practice squad. Uh, there's other guys too, like you said, Tamar Hemingway, uh, Dion Yelder, uh, Tyrone Swoops, guys that, you know, have been around a little bit. And then of course, fourth round, fourth round pick John Bates, who I think is kind of decent all around. I wasn't a huge fan of that pick, but I, I do think he's a good utility blocker who has some receiving upside. So, yeah, it is what it is. I think outside of Logan Thomas, they have enough pieces. I think it's a good unit. I want to transition over to the defensive the side, defensive side of the ball real quick. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was I was getting it. No. Um, 
like like Ryan mentioned before, the strength of this defense looks to be this awesome defensive line that you guys have built through the draft with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Um, is this going to be the the strength aid to this defense, and is this going to be like the best defensive line in the league this year? Because it sure looks that way. Whew. Uh, you know, I never want to I, – I try to stay away from absolutes. I, I try to do that. You know, it's a danger, especially with Washington fans listening, man, because, you know, if they're listening, they're going to cling to that. Like, yeah, best defensive line in the league. Like, hey, 2021 hasn't happened yet. All right, slow down a little bit. That said, I think you can get excited. I think you can get excited because Chase Young was so good as a rookie last year, seven and a half sacks, but he, his impact was even beyond that. You know, he was a very good run defender. He was generating constant pressure. He was making plays when he was supposed to uh, in very timely moments under pressure. And then on the opposite side, Montez Sweat, athletic freak, super long, I think 4-4-140. So he has that pursuit speed, that explosiveness. Uh, that, that's a devastating combo. And then on the interior, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis coming back from injury, Tim Settle, who had five sacks in the rotational role last year. Uh, and then on the edge, too, I think they got um, They got one of my favorite my favorite sleepers in the draft, well, actually two of my favorite sleepers, Shaka Tony. Although I don't think Tony really translates well as a 4-3 D end. I think he's more of a versatile outside linebacker, kind of pass rush specialist who needs a little more space. But he's super athletic. And then I'm also William Bradley King. I had the opportunity to go to the Senior Bowl this past year, and Bradley King flashed a lot. Uh, I think he has some good explosiveness, uh, some good proportional length. So in a rotational role, they have the depth. They have very good starting talent. Uh, I, I ultimately that's what facilitates the rest of the defensive attack is can you get pressure? Can you clog lanes and run defense? You know, that's the biggest thing. And I think this unit is very good in both phases and it's only going to get better because they're all very young. You know, th- this, this offense or this defense just stays young and stays good. I was, I was very excited for this team when they grabbed Jamin Davis. I think he is going to be a guy that can solidify the middle of that field. Uh, the outside of that field, you know, depending where he plays on the linebacking core. How how exciting is this, this linebacking core? Because, there's man, it may not be the most who's who of linebackers, but I tell you what, you guys got some damn workhorses back there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting, man. I mean, and I think that Cole Holcomb is a guy who flies under the radar a lot. I mean, he tested extremely well at his pro day uh, a couple years back at North Carolina. He had over 300 tackles in college, and then he had, I think, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was something around a 4, 5, 40, around a 40-inch vertical. So he's another super explosive, fast guy who actually made a lot of strides in coverage last year. I think he only allowed a 61 quarterback so he was very good uh, and he made a lot of plays too Jamin Davis is another guy I think he's like 6'4 230 super long another super explosive guy has a over 40 inch vertical I think he had a 449 40 he has really impressive range and you saw that on film this past season you know he's kind of raw but he's smart you know he's a good worker so he has the traits that you know Ron Rivera is looking for to contribute to that culture and, and develop him early on and then, you know, playing behind this defensive line, he's going to be able to play fast. He can swim through congestion and make tackles. He has that length to wrap up guys from behind. And then he also has the coverage upside to be an absolute playmaker, you know, when the ball is in the air. So, really, it's, it's, the sky's the limit for him, man. And I was very excited when they made that pick because I do think he fits what this defense is building perfectly. He can play off of that defensive line. He can be a pass-rushing threat with his length and explosiveness. 
there's really so much you can do with it. And it's just, you know, the sky's the limit. And then, of course, veteran John Bostic, he's not quite as exciting as them, but he does tie the unit together. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the depth of the unit, but they do have Khalid Hudson, uh, who they liked last year, you know, provided flashes as a special teamer. I think the, the starting unit is very exciting, especially with Holcomb and Davis, two young guys who are very athletic, yeah. can play very fast. And uh, the, the defensive line only compounds that. John Bostich is the, the Tully Blanchard of the four horsemen of the group. He's the, he's the guy who puts Rick and Arn together to make it work. <laughs> like, it, it's perfect. Boy. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. You make me I'm laugh. Having fun. I'm having fun. Leave me alone. I'm having a good time. Uh, this secondary looks very good to people who – um, know the players. Um, I'm actually really excited about the secondary. You guys have William Jackson, who is a burner at corner, super fast. You guys brought in Landon Collins, Kendall Fuller. I think the most exciting <laughs> player, though, is uh, Benjamin St. Just out of the University of Minnesota, where me and Ryan yeah. are from. Uh, he's got great intangibles. He sits 6'3", 200 pounds. He's fast. He's lanky. Is he going to get a chance to be a starter on this team, or is he going to be a role player, do you think? Man, that's a complicated question. You know why? Because I, I don't think, like, even if he's not a starter, I do think he'll have a role. And that's because, like, like you said, man, I mean, you guys know, you're from Minnesota. I mean, 6'3", six, three, six, three, over 200. I mean, I got this. He was, in, he was another guy at the Senior Bowl, too. And, like, he made a couple of really nice pass deflections. So, he has that length. Uh, he's you know, another very unique part of his athletic profile. I think he had, like, a six seven three cone. So, his hip transitions. You know, he's extremely fluid. Uh, he might not be overly explosive or fast, but, you know, for his size, he has good speed. I think he had a four five one, So that's good. That's good. And then he's extremely fluid. I think he's a very good press corner, too, because he can use that length. He's aggressive at the line. He's physical. And I think that Washington really wants to kind of transition to that because you think about William Jackson. He's a very good press corner as well. Uh, so maybe, maybe like just theoretically, just putting this into the, into the mind here, like having Jackson on one side, St. Juice on the other, rotating uh, Kendall Fuller back to free safety where he played a lot with the Chiefs a couple of years ago and played very well, especially in the playoffs. He's extremely versatile. He can play the boundary, slot, safety, move him around, have two really good, you know, uh, or two guys who project very well at press corner. Jackson, we know he's very good in the NFL. St. Juice has the traits to translate there. If those guys pan out as press cornerbacks, Washington runs more press. They can jam receivers at the line delay those route concepts and then the pass rush getting to the quarterback fast, you know, because that defensive line, again, we've talked about it, a stacked unit that can be a, an equation that absolutely suffocates offenses. It, it's very exciting watching, you know, thinking about how they can mix and match these guys. And then on top of that, you know, you got Jimmy Moreland coming back in the slot who played well last year, Cameron Curl, seventh round rookie from 2020, who when Landon Collins went down at strong safety, Curl came in and played better than Collins. So very exciting. Collins coming back from injury, too. They have a lot of depth, a lot of versatility. And like you said, I do think St. Juice, he made some plays in camp earlier. Uh, I expect him to keep doing that because he's got the mindset for it. Uh, He's competitive. He's athletic. He's long. Really has all those traits you need to to thrive on the boundary and be that really important press piece. So I'm excited to see what they do. And I think that, you know, the possibilities are endless. I don't think they're going to lock themselves into a starting rotation because there's so much you can do with the guys you have. Uh, once again, the, the Phoenix Suns now 21 points, four minutes left. The Clippers got a clip. They will continue to eat off the kids' table. 
They are not the Lakers. I hate the Clippers. I'm glad this is happening. Uh, Ian, I got I to ask you here before we, we, we close out here. It's the same question we closed the last time you were on. A little bit of a twist this year. What is your final record for this Washington football team? Oh, my goodness. See, that, this is difficult. I can never give one record, man. I know, I know <laughs> that was the question. I, just, I, can, I can never give one. You know, I have to give a range, you know, because, like, it, it, it is very far out. So give me the closest on the range. I, I, I have everybody, everybody who we've had on so far, we've had uh, 12 teams, and I have everybody's ratings written down. Give me the closest on range you think is going to be a, a perception here. All right. Well, if I had, it's different now. Let's do this it. Year. I'm, I'm never going to get used to this. 17 games. I'm never going to get used to that. <laughs> but it's different. Like, I'm so used to 8 and 8, 9 and 7. That's like 10 and 7. Like, what is this? What are we doing? But yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's, if I had to pick a range, I would probably go, I don't know, like, worst case, I can see them going 7 and 10 if Ryan Fitzpatrick flames out and Heineke reverts back level quarterback play. As good as this roster is, I think they can stay in the playoff conversation. But, you know, if they don't have good quarterback play, they're going to be one of those middling teams, especially with, you know, the Giants have a very good roster under the radar. Uh, it all depends on Daniel Jones. Uh, and I'm not confident, especially with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator, but you never know. Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, Dak Prescott lights up the NFC East. The Giants actually do well under Joe Judge in year two. Washington falls a little flat. It goes 7-10. to 10. I can also see them if the defense proves to be elite like we think it can be. It, let's say either Ryan Fitzpatrick has another, you know, a year like his 2015 season with the Jets, you know, or Taylor Heineke takes a starting job and actually plays well. I think they can go 10-7, uh, 11-6, maybe 12-5, very best-case scenario. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be around 500 but you can swing it either way depending on how the quarterback situation plays out. That's the most important thing for them. If, if they get good play, I think they can be an even serviceable play because, again, the roster is very strong around that quarterback. I think they're going to be in the playoff conversation until the end. The real tricky thing is Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys, they have Dak Prescott coming back, and he was literally on pace for over 6,000 passing yards four games in the season last year. So he was on a Tory pace. He has those weapons coming back for his offense. That's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. But I do like Dallas a little bit better just because Dak Prescott, is, is a, he's a top-five quarterback in the league. It's straight off. So having that quarterback is such, such an important part. But I do think Washington has the roster to stay in that conversation, and that's really important too. So what's your final win count? Go let's your go, head. Let's Where go you with 11 and 6. 11 and 6. Boom. We still have not had anyone who has uh, gave us a, uh, we're going 10 and 6. I, I'm waiting for one person to still give us the, uh, the whoopsie <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of not nailing it right. I love it. All right. That is what I'm talking about. Before I have you plug everything away, like we, we always do when we close out. Um, last time you were with us, did you uh, play a game of Uberfax with us? I don't think I did, no. Would you like to play a game of Uberfax with us? Yeah, you got you to gotta refresh me because I'm unfamiliar with it. But, yeah, I'm not. All right, we're going to do that. And, real quick, I want to do this here, too, so we can include. Mike, you with us, too, man? Yes, I am. Would you like to join in and do a giant four-man game of Uberfax with all of us? Sounds kind of weird. I'm into it. All right. Well, let's do it, guys. Let's Uber go. Facts. 
the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Everybody who doesn't know, uh, and for all of our listeners that are new, Uber Facts, I will give you four facts. Three of these are clinically proven to be true. One of these I have made up the facts. You have to sniff which is the fake fact out of all this. So we'll, we'll have Ian, you'll give us the first response. Mike, you will give us the second. Luke, you'll come in with the third one. Let's play a game of Uber Facts. The first fact, once again, you have to sniff out which is the fake fact. The first fact, if you're a single lady in Japan, owning a black cat is said to increase your number of suitors. Number two, in October of 2017, Amazon Amazon owner Jeff Bezos made over $6 billion in just five days. $6.24 billion to be exact. Number three, which windows, so which like Halloween, which windows, which exist mostly in Vermont, were created because most believe that witches couldn't fly out of slanted windows? And number four, in 2012, diarrhea killed as many people as HIV and AIDS. Ian, what do you think is the fake fact I delivered tonight? Oh my God, man! Oh my goodness! You see, I didn't even know—I didn't even know what I was signing up for here. I was like, maybe it's sports? No, it's, it's literally everything under the sun. So, uh, yeah, I—I don't like. I don't even know what category to put this in. If I, I'm gonna honestly, the the Bezos the Bezos one seems the most realistic to me. I can see that he 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 makes a lot of money. He makes like I'm not. I'm not gonna go with that. I'm gonna, you know, the black cat one. I can see that. I'm gonna go with. The, I'm gonna go with option number four, the diarrhea. I just can't see that, and, and I, I don't want to see that either. I do not. But I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with that. And that that seems a little unreasonable to me. Even though you know the diseases are on the downtrend, that's just that's just a bad way to go. I don't think enough people deserve that. That's just not good. Mike, what is the fake fact, sir? Geez, I'm gonna have to go with one. That would have to be. There's always something like that where there's some weird connection to witches, where I can't do <laughs> weird these things. Got to be one of those, like you know, oh, you gotta like open your door 22 times to keep them out. So that's gotta be. <laughs> that's gotta be real. Gonna have to go with the. It's gotta be the cat, because the other one. Yeah, it's gotta be the cat. Luke, what do you got? Did Luke leave us? Nope. No, I'm here. Oh. I'm going to go with... I'm going with the cat one. The cat one? Okay, so yeah. you guys are all smart to stay away from the witch windows. They were actually created in Vermont because, you know, the Salem witch trials and all that out in the East Coast. This was a real thing that happened. People actually had that uh, ready to go. Uh, so yes, we did have uh, we did have witch windows. Um, I will say this: uh, in 2012, diarrhea did kill as many people as HIV and AIDS. Oh so I my apologize. god! That is the real uh-huh. thing. Um, it is a combination of the downswing in the the virus, but it also is uh, people dying. You know, crap in their bed that their life sucks. Uh, 130-103, the Clippers just died from diarrhea in the conference finals when they didn't belong. Phoenix to the finals. Chris Paul gets his ring, hopefully, coming up. 
Uh, which leads us to two. Patrick Beverly's not in the finals. <laughs> that Bush League Let's movie at the end. Oh my God. Yeah, see a Bev. Yeah, look, bitches, bitches pushing Chris Paul with two hands down. Like, come on, man. Like nine-year-olds do that. Like when you lose. <laughs> like, Clippers, come on. Clippers gonna clip, man. That's the way it goes. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, the little turtle man Rondo. Raise on Rondo. You should have stayed with the Lakers. Um, which leaves us with two left. And unfortunately, the single lady in Japan owning a black cat is correct. The fake fact is the Jeff Bezos one. But it is not what, what you think it is. Not for, in not October for a while. 20, give, him, give him time. In October of 2017, Amazon owner Jeff Bezos made over $6 billion in just five minutes. It wasn't five days. It was five minutes. <laughs> Which well, technically, there are five here. minutes in five days. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that man's eaten. Uh, I, I, I give him props. Uh, shout out to Bezos. Um, as we as we wrap this up and move on to the next one, Ian, once again, my man, plug everything you got for all of our listeners. I'm so glad to, to have you back after the uh, the year hiatus here since we haven't talked since 2019. Yeah, it's fun, man. I can't believe that was the one I was most confident about. You know, I, I kind of <laughs> set that to the side immediately. That, That's that why I threw that in there. That was why that oh was the one that I threw that, in that, there. That was, that was smart. That was smart. I got to give it to you. I got to give it to you. But, so, yeah, next time I'm going to win. I'm going to put that on you right now. I'm going to win next time. But, uh, yeah, you can, you can follow me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. I got a lot of Riggles Rag content, great team of writers over there, and then Pro Football Network also doing draft stuff at the moment as college football season gets, on, or gets closer, not underway. We're almost there, not quite. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where you can go follow me. Uh, appreciate coming on, as always, guys. Thanks again. Ian Cummings, ladies and gentlemen, coming on to represent that Washington football team. We'll be in touch soon. Have a good one, sir. Thanks for coming. Yes, sir. You too. We're going to move right on here next week. Got my guy, Mike. Go ahead and plug away. It's your turn to plug everything you got, man. We're going to keep this train rolling. Yes, sir. We got on Twitter, I'm over at, at by Mike Luciano. We got the team over at Musket Fire, who were really just kicking butt lately and Hell yeah. Those are the two things. Mostly go follow Musket Fire because we're, we're churning out the good stuff lately. And, and once again, as I kind of mentioned, I apologize. We, uh, we, we, we have been running a little longer these last couple of weeks, I've realized. I might need to space things out because we're just getting these conversations where, you know, I mean, you know we, we talked to you uh, beginning, you know, because we obviously know you're the, the leader of the Mac Jones fan club. So we had spoken <laughs> earlier about. <laughs> oh, no, don't you do this. <laughs> about, about all this stuff and you know I, I want to get right into it Matt Jones is there you know he high fives Goodell this is where I wanted to be anyway and everyone's laughing what was your thought when Matt Jones got pulled by the Patriots at 15 well for a moment it looked like Fields was going to slide a little bit and if he went to Belichick I mean quite frankly I mean I don't want to know that's game over if you look Belichick yeah. has hands on him but <laughs> Yeah. So there was a little bit of dis- disappointment in general, but at the same time, this always felt like the spot for him. You know, the saving connection is one thing, but I mean, he needed time to really learn this offense because Steve Sarkeesian, we talked last time, he's got this really like pop gun, smoke and mirrors offense in Alabama. It's not like 
this, you know, pro-ready scheme. Like, you can't just say, oh, because he's not athletic and sits in the pocket, he makes pro-reads. Well, he doesn't. So at least here he's going to get the chance to sit behind Cam. Now, Cam obviously does not have a very long leash, but it's, he's at least going into the season as a starter. But if he went somewhere else, like a Chicago or something, I, I don't know. So I think if, if he could have really messed up his development if he went somewhere else, but kind of happy he's in New England. Uh, bringing in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry this year. Um, you know, a lot of people bring in free agents every year in the tight end position. What What do you think Belichick was thinking when they brought in two uh, of the top tight end free agents? Are we going to see like a Gronk Hernandez thing going on, or uh, like what roles are we going to see these guys play? That That is exactly what I think you're going to see because now obviously I don't want to compare either of these guys to those two just because those two had, you know, their peaks were higher. But Johnny kind of, at least on the field, reminds you a lot of Fernandez. And uh, mostly because even though they're a little shorter times, I think Johnny might be 6'2", Aaron is a 6'1". But they got that ability to line up an H-back spot. You can split them out wide. You could put them in line. You could move them around. And they were really missing that piece last year. I mean, they drafted two different tight ends and Devin Asiasi and – Dalton Keene is nominally, at least, as a tight end, and Dalton Keene just looked completely overwhelmed, and Asiasi didn't really gel with the playbook instantly. So I think having Smith in there is going to be just this nice little chess piece that Belichick McDaniels can move around. But Henry, he's obviously nowhere near what Pete Gronk was. I don't know if we'll see Pete Gronk again, quite frankly. But they're going to at least try to do a decent facsimile of that in terms of how they use him. He's definitely going to be the number one passing option. And some quarterbacks honestly just like throwing the tight ends better. We saw that with Cam in in Carolina with Greg Olson. So maybe this little security blanket, as opposed to a couple of rookies where you count on maybe one catch a game. Maybe that's the secret ingredient that turns this thing around. You know, you mentioned having that that comfort blanket with the tight end. What's the thought process with Cam Newton this year? Is he is he just going to run run with it and, and lead this team, or is Matt Jones going to get some any any kind of consideration to come in? You know, Jared Stidham, who everyone was over the moon about. I mean, Brian Hoyer sitting there. What's kind of the thought process with this QB camp? Because there's a lot of un, unanswered questions here. Well, I, I at least sniffed out Stidham from the beginning. I knew that I knew right away Stidham was not going to be much of a pro quarterback, but it's really tough to project that just because Belichick hasn't had to do anything like this in 20 years because he's had Tom Brady. So there's no dialogue. Oh, there's no history to go off of because, you know, Brady was just there taking care of everything. I'd imagine what would happen. First off, they're going to be a better team. I mean, they have the 31st ranked passing offense ahead of Adam Gates. So really like that doesn't even count that they were last. So if you get rid of that. So they were still seven and nine despite that. So they're going to be better just because of the weapons. Another year in this offense, there's it's going to be a more quote-unquote normal offseason. There's going to be less COVID restrictions and all that. So I think the numbers are going to be better. But I think as long as they're still in it, they're going to go with Cam. Because I think Belichick knew that Mac is kind of need to be a little developmental. Maybe if they're out of it, he might start the last two games. But I'd imagine since Newton's going to be a free agent at the end of this year on a one-year deal, I'd imagine Newton's probably going to play it out. He's not going to be MVP Carolina came. It's probably going to be solid. And then they can move off him and insert Jones and start the new era in uh, 2022. 
In the offseason, you guys brought in quite a few free agent wide receivers in Nelson Aguilar, who drops babies, uh, Kendrick Bourne. Um, but I want to I wanna talk a little bit about a guy not very many people know about in Gunnar Olszewski. I don't know how to pronounce Olszewski. Polish. Lesson. That's it. Out of Bemidji I got Polish State. In me. You got to pronounce Olszewski or, right. You got to get my the wife, Polish pronunciation. My wife's <laughs> Polish. I can say her last name, but that's about the only one. I know that's why I want us to talk about Gunner I went to uh, college at Bemidji State actually Um, is he going to get more of a role this year I mean last year he primarily was used as a return man a little bit in the offense Um, is he going to get his shot this year to maybe step on the field a little bit more and actually play wide receiver I don't think so I mean if it weren't for the return I think he might frankly be on the roster bubble just because with Smith and Henry coming in, I know you could use them in different ways, but this is going to be an offense that runs probably the most two tight end sets in the league, maybe the most of a non-Shanahan-McVay team. So it's going to be a two tight end team. They're not going to go four wide, split it out air raid. So already on top of that, he's not down in the depth chart. You're not going to see him a lot. And if Aguilar is going to be the field stretcher that they think he is, like he was with the Raiders, or if Bourne's going to be the underneath guy, even with Edelman retiring, I just don't see a path to consistent playing time unless all of a sudden he instantly becomes the next Edelman, which quite frankly I don't think that he is going to be. So uh, he, he'll have a role just because of the return stuff, but yeah, I don't see consistent catches frequently. Let's, let's not forget this. Oh, my man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. Let's never forget when uh, – he was too hard on the man. He had the best year of, of his career last year. It, it's it's Philly. Like, booing Michael Larson when he got hurt, booing Santa Claus. Like, everything is blown out of proportion in, in Philly. <laughs> I thought I thought he was great in USC. I will 100% back you. I thought Aguilar was going to be good. You know, I'm not much the of a Philly with, fan. The problem I, with Chip Kelly is he didn't really know how to use him because – like, he just kept moving him. Chip Kelly kept moving him around, and Doug Peterson got in. He still didn't really know where to put him because he's fast, but he also profiles like a slot guy, So and his hands aren't great, but you never really – it's just a, kind of a confusing fit. At least Gruden said, all right, you're going to be a vertical guy, and he had some success with that. So, hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. No, I think I think that's a solid acquisition. Uh, you know, I, lo- I look at this running back committee. James White still continues to linger on. Um, from 2014 being on this team, Stoney Michelle there. What's kind of the thought process? Is this going to be, once again, another true running back by committee? Or are they ever going to commit to trying to get somebody into that role? Which we haven't, I mean, honestly, we haven't seen that role since maybe Curtis Martin. You want to go back that far? I mean, will it maybe be? Maybe LeGarrette Blount was the closest I could think of. Or Corey Dillon. Yeah. There you go. That's a little bit yeah. closer. Yeah, that's better than what I had. Corey Dillon was probably the most recent, like, for a long period of time, just the number one guy. But going along with that, I would probably say they're going to go with Lester Committee this year. I see Damian Harris really – I see this is the year Damian Harris starts going crazy, especially because if you look at his per-game averages and you average that out to a 17-game season, that's like a 1,300-yard pace. I mean, this guy was really turning it on in the second half of the season. And if you look at the competition, they got a lot of guys, but James White's getting older, and he's really just the pass-catching guy. Then Tony Michelle, I mean, my goodness. And it's sad to see, but, you know, he's a a guy who uses 
speed and his electricity and cutting back and forth and he got his wings clipped and he doesn't really have that anymore. It's it's kind of tough to see, but he's losing carries every year. And then you throw in Ramondre Stevenson and they picked in the fourth round, kind of like a old school bull, bulldozer that a guy like Belichick and a Erhard Perkins offense to kind of like. I, I see Harris stock going way up, but buy tons of Damian Harris stock and then Michelle. I don't know. Maybe he'll play well enough for a second contract somewhere because I don't think he's getting one in New England. What about Ramondre Stevenson, your fourth rounder? Is he going to get any clock? He he might. It's just now he's faster than most people that are that big are at that position. The problem being most of his speed is just straight line. So when he cuts laterally, you like you really start to see it. So he's not ready for carries right now. But Belichick over the year, Antoine Smith, Blunt, like he likes these kind of change of pace guys who can just go up the middle and run dudes over. So I think if he just gonna keep his head on straight because he had some suspension issues at uh at Oklahoma. I think that he'll eventually carve out a somewhat regular role. Uh, you guys trade for Trent Brown, the offensive tackle from Las Vegas this offseason. Uh, what what do you see happening with this offensive line? Are they going to be able to protect Cam or uh, Mac Jones when he if he gets his chance? I, I definitely think they can. I think the offensive line is one of the stronger areas on this team. Even if when they get rid of Cannon. Now, obviously, Isaiah Wynn is, you got to worry about his health because he's missed more games than he's played in by a pretty significant margin over the course of his career. But you had him and Brown as your bookend tackle. I mean, Trent Brown, good luck bull rushing that guy with 380 pounds. Like, you're not, the only way to go is around him. Then you get on Wenu. Mike on Wenu, he just was maybe the most impressive rookie offensive lineman considering draft position. Last year, I mean, six-round pick. He was mauling people. He was a pro bowler. If that Andrews is back, I, everybody and their mother thought David Andrews was gone, especially when they brought Karras back. But we get David Andrews back. Jack Mason is still reliable. I, I kind of like the cohesionist unit. It just all depends on when. Because for two right-handed quarterbacks, you lose your left tackle again in his fourth season, then you got to start kind of having a discussion about when. Because he's been good when he's played, but – that's the ability's availability, and if he's not providing that, might look for someone else. Do you think that this wide receiver core, I know we kind of mentioned it, but, you know, guys like Trey Nixon, who came in as a seventh rounder, Isaiah Zuber comes in as, you know, more of like a practice squad type guy. Is there any late guys that can really come in and, and make that impact? Because New England always seems to turn out wide receivers differently than most teams do. Well, it's differently because Belichick, to his credit, has admitted he's just not great at evaluating wide receivers. So it looks like they have all these big misses <laughs> in the early rounds and then later rounds when you find your Edelmans, Danny Amendola's and guys like that. I would probably have to say Nixon just because I like his athletic ability, honestly. I like his ability to get down the field, make some tough catches. He's the guy I would, I would bet on. But with the way that this offense is set up, just expect to see a lot of Aguilar and and a lot of born, but mostly those tight ends. So it's it's going to take a, quite a confluence of circumstances to get one of those guys some consistent snaps. I want to shift to the defense a little bit. Somehow you guys get Christian Barrymore in the second round. Me and Ryan both had him going in the first somewhere. Um, we were are you talking excited? about taking him at 15. Yeah. Yeah. Like 40. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a, my question was going to be how excited are you for this pick but I, from your reply I understand 
Well, I, I just the, – the problem with some of these picks – and the Ronnie Perkins pick, I had like a top 50 player. They got him at 96. I have no idea how they did that. Yeah, yeah. The problem with, <laughs> the problem with both of these guys is, as Belichick's shown with rookies, I haven't really seen it with quarterbacks. We've seen it in other positions. Like, you're not getting on the field until, like, he earns – until he's confident in you. And that's a very hard thing to earn, especially with this defense where they're moving guys around. It's super complex. It might take a while, but I think you'll probably see more of Barmore as a rookie, especially with Winovich taking the steps that they think he's going to take and with Judon coming in. It Barmore, like, but just in terms of raw power and run-stopping ability, I mean, that's what you want for a Belichick nose tackle, especially when you're going to play a ton of one-tech this year and all those DBs going around. Now, Perkins, yeah. again, with Stevenson, actually. I remember back when, not this most recent postseason, but the one before, both him and Stevenson were two of the three guys suspended for that game. So, again, if you just get him straightened out and help him avoid that, I mean, this guy, you want to talk about speed to power. I mean, this is a genuine freak athlete. He's big, he's strong, he got he has a good pass rush plan. He doesn't just try to run by you or run through you. He has a whole set of moves and counters. There's a lot to like about these young guys, but I, if I had to pick one of the two, definitely Barmore, just because I like his ability. If they could make him a good pass rusher, because right now he's just kind of okay in that area, guys love it. You know, you mentioned Barmore. You know, you mentioned Matt Judon. What's kind of the, the consensus with this front four? It, it seems like a lot of guys who might be a little bit under the radar, but, but a lot of people who are ready, a lot of guys who are ready to come in and actually make an impact and can do something and not just be considered, you know, Hey, it's that guy. It just kind of feels like that's the, that's the synopsis. And, and I'm excited for this front four. Where are they sitting at? Well, the, the problem with that is Belichick's defense have usually had kind of that guy who, who can attract yeah. two different blocks. Like even if you want to go back to Lawrence Taylor, he had it with Richard Seymour. He had it with Vince Wilfork. Like one of those guys has to emerge as one of that because, if you're just go, if there's no one just attracting double teams consistently, especially on a team where they're playing a lot of more, lately more they're playing a lot of three down linemen and two down linemen a lot of times, it's going to be a problem. So it's it's a tough thing to really predict just because you can't say, oh, you know, is you know is Barmore suddenly going to turn into Richard Seymour? That's an impossible question to answer. But they're going to have to need one of those young guys to really take a big step. Uh, Dante Hightower last year opted out due to COVID uh, purposes. Um, should we see him return back to his uh, form this year? I mean, he's been one of the better linebackers in the league for many years since he's been. Um, is he going to step up Most and be that leader for this defense? Most freaking league is Dante Hightower. Oh, yeah. Him and J.C. Jackson might be two of the top three. But Hightower, again, it's with these COVID opt-outs, it's just, again, tough to project, mostly because we expect Hightower is going to be good. Even though he's a little older, I mean, linebacker's that big, that fast, can move around like that. You think he's going to be good, but it's like when guys come off an injury. How do you recover after an entire season of not playing? That's a really tough thing to evaluate, especially now. But I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he'll be Pro Bowl Dante Hightower, but if you get above average Dante Hightower on a defense that was still, even without all those opt-outs, pretty good last year, I think this could be a top-ten unit. What's thoughts on Stephon Gilmore? I know a lot of people were campaigning for him to leave, go somewhere else. You know, there was last season was last season. Is he locked in? Is there anything to worry about? Or do you kind of have that, that thought process that, hmm, we might not have him anymore? 
I'd probably say I think it might be more likely than not that he's gone, if you had to ask my opinion, just because not only does he want a deal, which that's already, you know, how many guys do you see get traded over and teams not want to pay him a deal? So you got that already, but the Patriots have the infrastructure to support trading him because they got all these great defensive backs backing him up. They got McCourty, Jalen Mills. I know Jalen Mills is all over the place on his film, but they gave him a three-year contract. They definitely they want they want to see him grow, and they think he's a part of that future long term. And then J.C. Jackson, we were talking about earlier, like they could they could move off of him, and the haul they would get in return. I know he was just he was above average last year, not defensive player of the year, good, but he's still probably what top four or five cornerbacks in the league. I mean, that's you're getting the haul for that. Now, ideally, I think, I think, and ideally they keep them, but I just don't think that I just don't know if it's reasonable right now. I don't know how stuck in Gilmore is to getting that new deal. A little bit more about this secondary. Secondary, if he does get traded, Stephon Gilmore this off season, who's that guy that's going to step up and be that number one corner in your opinion? Well, it's got to be Jackson. I mean. This guy was an think about it, this guy was an undrafted free agent. In three years, he's already got eight intercept. He's got eight interceptions in one year, and I think he's got probably seventeen forced turnovers in three years. Undrafted free agent, and it feels like no one's talking about this guy. Like I just don't get it. Like I, I'm, this is going to sound sacrilegious in terms of a, a comparison, but it reminds me kind of like when Marcus Peters was starting to break out. And then people finally start, oh, wait a minute, this guy, in terms of, in a league where turnovers, just always interceptions keep going down, the, the fact that the guy can generate this many turnovers, it, it's unbelievable. And if you, and again, look at all the great cornerbacks that Belichick said, Ty Long, all these guys. Like, you should be really excited about Jackson. He's only going to get better. And then he might get that new contract because I don't think they're going to pay both of them. So if they want to trade the older guy and keep the younger guy. Look for Jackson to finally cement his name in that sort of elite tier. So as we wrap up our uh, visit here with you, we always ask uh, guests at the end of talking when we do team previews, what's that final record going to be for you guys this year? Oof. I'm going to have to probably say nine and I hate saying nine and eight, but you know, like, just give me an even number. I need like, I'd make it eight and eight or nine and nine. It's probably nine and eight or Ten and seven, I think, would probably be because if you look at the division, I mean, it's a, it's a better division than it was in years past. You got, I love what the Jets did foundationally wise with Zach Wilson and Robert Sala, but they're a year or so from really being like a threat. Miami is, I think, going to regress. Now the two hates overblown, I get that, but I mean that roster they didn't have a ton of great skill position players. Their offensive coordinator has. Tapioca instead of a brain. I don't think their defense is going to be as good. So I think they'll pick up some wins there and definitely improve. I mean, they went seven and nine with an awful passing game. So if they're even average, that's probably two wins there. But the problem is, I just think Buffalo is so stacked this year. I think, like, I know Kansas City is pretty much going to be the favorite in the AFC emeritus until Mahomes is gone for the next, like, 15 years. But, I mean, Buffalo might be right there at number two. So, like, like I think anybody's going to beat Kansas City in that division is here at Buffalo. I mean, you, where are the holes? I mean, the offensive yeah. line's okay and not great. Uh, that's it. They get secondary, a pass rush now, good coach. Allen's great, Diggs. Like, 
All right, the running game's not great. Boo-hoo. Like, Allen's throwing from 400 yards every game. So, <laughs> I think because I think, because I think Buffalo's going to dominate that division, I can't see them really winning it. But if stranger things happen, I can see a wild-card berth. It's, you know, a couple of lucky breaks go their way. Hey, you know what? That's a that's a, a realistic thing, though. Nine and eight, and who's who's to say that Mac Jones doesn't become what all these scouts seem to think he is, right? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. If if they're not at there and they're if they're down in the dumps again under five hundred, you're going to see some Mac Jones. But it, then you re- here's the interesting question I want to worry about. Now, obviously, you're not going to the organization is not going to do this themselves, but. Is a seventy-year-old Bill Belichick going to go? Man, two years under five hundred. I gave him the I gave him the franchise quarterback. Like I got my rings, I got my money. You know what do I do? I think you got to start. Like if they bottom out this year, I think you might at least consider it. Is that they're is not going to get coach until he wants to? So it's literally just whenever he decides to. Whenever he decides to give up, I think it's going to be either going to win a championship or just bottom out, and it's going to be like Chuck Noll, where he's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm past the time; I got to go." Does, is is uh, McDaniel's the the heir apparent? Is that kind of the, the I, shoe? I in? mean, you you think you think so, but all right, let's look at the two times that someone has hired Josh McDaniels as a head coach. We got Denver. <laughs> Denver, Tim yep. Tebow, Tim Tebow <laughs> got picked in the first round. He got fired before his second year, and then the Colts who hired him, and then a day later he backed out after hiring a staff. Matt Abelson, <laughs> who's the defensive coordinator for Frank Ryan, that was Joshua Daniels' pick. Frank Ryan, Frank Reich did Frank Ryan, the quarterback for the Browns back then. Frank Reich picked his own staff pretty much, and McDaniels put it there, and then like, left him at the altar. So it, Now, obviously he knows New England, and he's definitely comfortable there, but I mean, you got to look at that, and you're like, is that, is that the guy? It's like no one's going to want to replace Bill Belichick, you know? Like that's why I commend Cam Newton for having the the, the testicular fortitude, the, the intestinal fortitude to come into England right after Tom Brady left. Like, not everybody's up for that. So who's going to – like, you're going to hire a 38-year-old offensive coordinator who's been a quarterback coach for three years to replace Bill Belichick? Like, it, like that's it, a tough job. It, it reminds me a lot of, like, Steve Sarkeesian with Nick Saban. You know, where it's like he's had chances and he's failed, but these guys love this guy. It's going to you know, be like Will Muschamp another good job. Will Muschamp will get like three points and 90 yards of offense with Florida every week. But he's just – people just love him. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe McDaniels doesn't get it because of that. Um, but, that, again, like, what are you going to hire, like, the equivalent – the three years later, the equivalent of Brandon Staley to replace Bill Belichick? You got to either hope that like a great coach gets fired, that's done it before, like a great coach gets fired, and then you just give him the second shot, or you promote McDaniel because you're not just going to hire, you know, like Zach Taylor <laughs> to be the coach of the Patriots after he leaves. <laughs> it's tough, man. It's it's going to be interesting to see where this all all goes. But that's why you know. As much as I might not be the fan, uh, the Patriots are one of the most compelling teams in media for, for the NFL. That's why I love that. We get to talk Which about Which is them. actually rare we... for a little bit. Like, I know people would always look at the Patriots and they were winning and think they were so captivated. But, like, 
all right, like they're a team we we think they go thirteen and three every year and Tom Brady would be great and the defense would be great and then they would go twelve and four and Tom Brady would be great and the defense would be great. Like it, it's like every <laughs> it's like they're expected to be great every year and then they did it. Like okay. Like now there's some intrigue and you know, could go in different directions. Like it's kinda of different. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how this uh this AFC East kinda of pans out. Uh, we had somebody who brought, we, we brought on that said the Jets are going to go 6-11, which is the first uh, 100% realistic thing that that we thought. That was kind of nice. But, you know, 9-8, and eight, it'll be interesting. You never know with some of these, with, with, with how this division can go, how the, the AFC can go. Um, but I'm intrigued, man. It's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a really interesting season. Uh, once again, we had to do this when you came on, but – Plug everything you got once you and for all of our listeners that have been gravitated to all the knowledge that you've been giving everybody. Yes, sir. So just at by Mike Luciano, L-U-C-I-A-N-O. That's my personal. And then Musket Fire, that's the team account. And who better to lead you through these these uh, rocky waters, these uncertain waters, than the Musket Fire team? Because I know Patriots hey. fans are, oh, my God, we could go 9-8. and eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, we need someone there with you. You mean we don't love have 13 it. wins every year? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not coming this time, but thanks for playing. Mike, thanks so much, that's, man, for coming that's the on. One thing that's, that's the one thing that's pissing me off, is I can remember, I think it was after they got, it was after like a three-point loss, and people were like, I'm devoid of hope. It was No, it was an, and then an article came out a couple days after, we finally have hope. Like finally have hope. <laughs> we didn't have to be for twenty years. We finally have hope. Yeah, we, we <laughs> all we do is win. Like what? Are, what are you talking about? Right? They made the hey, Super Bowl nine times in twenty years. No one's ever going to do that ever again. But we were out of hope because we went seven and nine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that's that privilege of having a uh, a team like that that you just will never be able to replicate once again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't can't wait till the Spurs start going like winning twenty five games every year. They're gonna like burn the Alamo down. Oh yeah, the, well then they'll just trap the next Tim Duncan like they did the last time they went fifteen and sixty three, and then <laughs> we saw what happened. Tim Duncan and Robinson win a title. So, but I digress. Uh, what do you mean we're picking oh, fifth overall? We're the Spurs. We don't pick fifth overall. I can, I can hear it already. <laughs> oh, so good. So good, man. My, uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on, man. Uh, you know we'll be in contact. We're going to have you back on soon. Talk some sports, as always. Thanks again for coming on first, man. Yes, sir. Good to be on. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon again. Thank you. That was uh, Represented that musket fight. Uh, I got you. I got you. Cut that bitch off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we got a caller waiting online. Who is this six man? Five, six five one area code. What you got for us? Hey guys, uh, Tommy in Green Bay here. Uh, just a quick question for you. What do you think about the Rodgers situation this year? Um, what do you think about his future and uh, how soon before he joins the Vikings here? 
he will never join the Vikings because there was only one Brett Favre that did that. <laughs> um, I think I think it's going to be like a Le'Veon Bell situation. I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he's going to sit out the season. He's going to take his fine. He's going to go drink his beers on the beach with his smoking ass wife, <laughs> and he'll get traded next year during the draft. I think for less value to a team. Well, you know, we used to say uh, Brett Favre bleeds cheese and grass, and look what happened. That is true. That is true. Uh, what do you, I mean, what do you got to say? He, he, he's, he's got you, Luke. Is this Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Kevin. It's going to happen. He's never going to come to Minnesota, ever. <laughs> the best part It'll happen. is Kevin's oh, well, been... Kevin's been sitting on hold for like 40 fucking minutes. Wait. <laughs> he's do you like, not have anything better to do? He, he's like, I love giving Luke shit about Aaron Rodgers. I was like, dude, now's the time to call in. And he called no. him right and we started the Patriots segment. <laughs> he's not going coming to the Vikings ever. Listen, everyone used to say the same thing about Brett Favre, and look what happened. All right. No. Absolutely not. It's in the realm of possibility. If I mean, if he comes to Minnesota, I will buy you walk in the park and hand deliver it to your house. All right. Everyone heard that. It deals with deal. All right. Deal. Luke, Luke, I think I think what Kevin's trying to say is this right here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. He is not coming here. Oh my gosh! Hey, Kevin, Kevin, you still here? Yes, yes, sir. Do you do you, do you want to play a game with us real quick that you did not get a part of? Sure. All right, let's do it. Uber facts: the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hit Kevin with Uber facts, friend of the show, Kevin. Uh, not to be confused with no vowels in the name, still Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, I'm going to give you four facts. All right. I'm going to give you four facts. You have to tell me which is the fake fact. That is the Uber fact. Are you ready, sir? Explain it to me one more time. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to ask. I'm going to tell you four facts. Okay. Like real facts. And you have to tell me which is the fake one, which is the one that I made up. All right. Number one. Number one, if you are a single lady in Japan, owning a black cat is said to increase your number of suitors. Number two, in October of 2017, Amazon owner Jeff Bezos made over $6 billion in just five days, $6.24 billion to be exact. Number three, which windows, so like Hocus Pocus which, which windows, which exists mostly in Vermont, were created because most believe witches could not fly out of slanted windows. And number four, in 2012, diarrhea killed as many people as HIV and AIDS. Well, that's a tough one because I've had diarrhea before. (laughs) What (laughs) fact did I make up? Uh, I'm going to go with... uh... I'm going to go with uh, the first one. The the single lady in Japan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
black cats are bad luck. Don't wait. Unfortunately, that is a, a real, a real fact here. The incorrect Man. fact was Jeff Bezos actually made $6.24 billion in five minutes. Not, not five days. Yeah, see, that's totally within their own possibility. So, okay. It is. All right. Give the numbers question to the Asian guy. All right. Well, I I thought it was I thought it was a good idea. You know, I thought you'd have a leg okay. on the competition. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Kevin, do you have anything you want to plug tonight? Plugs? No, no, no. I'd, I'd like you, you guys to um, follow my page, though. Uh, a Rod for the Vikings. God no. At Instagram. Thank you so much, Kevin, for calling in. Cut that bitch off! We're going to hang up on Kevin. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin, for coming on tonight. I care, like, is this Kevin? (laughs) I had a feeling when it was that question. I was like, this is way fucking Kevin. (laughs) He he mentioned the shit. I was like, dude, you got to call in tonight. (laughs) Let's, um... Let's go to the the NFL. I, I, I don't think I have the NFL music. So I'm going to play the EC3 music, and then we'll do the NFL that way. Oh, shit. RIP breaking news. Bismarck, he just died. Not Bismarck, dog. Fuck, that sucks, man. Oh, baby, you. Oh, God, calm down. No, come on, man. It sucks. Bismarck, man, he was tight as hell. All right, let me play the music. Ladies and gentlemen. We are going to move into our week six pick as we go. Tampa Bay taking on the Eagles. Luke, what do you got? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I'm going to. Are you Are you playing our show in your background? Nope. Because oh, I can hear a huge echo. Uh, Dolphins against the Jaguars in London. Um, I'm going to go Jaguars too. Chargers at the Ravens. Oh, this one's hard. Um, I'm going to go Chargers. I'm going to go Ravens, but I don't hate your Chargers take on that one. Uh, the Vikings at the Panthers. Vikings. I'm going Vikings, too. Uh, Packers at the Bears. Um, I'm going to go Bears. Oh, I wrote down Packers and went to the next one, assuming. You, you think, uh, you think, you think Nick Foles has got them under control? I think Justin Fields will start by week six, to be honest. Let's go. Uh, Bengals at the Lions. Uh, Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals as well on that one. Uh, then we have the Texans at the Colts. Colts. I'm going to go Texans on that one. Oh, I wrote Lions instead of Luke. Uh, Rams at the Giants. Rams. I'm going to go Rams also. <laughs> Chiefs 
at the Washington football team? The Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs as well. Uh, Cardinals at the Browns. I'm going to go the Browns. I'm going to go the, the Cardinals. Call me a homer, but it's happening. Raiders at the Broncos. Raiders at the Broncos. I'm going to go the Raiders. I'm going to go Broncos because I have so many away teams winning this week that I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and speaking of away teams, Cardinals at the Patriots. Cardinals. Or Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go Cowboys too. Another road team win. Seahawks at Steelers. Uh, Seahawks. I feel like the Seahawks should win, but I'm going to go Steelers because I haven't picked them yet, and I can't have them uh, 0-6. And then the Bills at the Titans. The Bills. I'm going Bills as well. So that is our week six picks. I will tally up these picks, so next week we will come back week seven, have our picks, so everybody can kind of no, we are after a third of our year. Um, let's jump right into. Man, there is mad echo, and I have no idea why. Let me hit this up. Oh, oh Aaron. Let's get on the Let's go to this. MVP. Real MVP going on right now. Um, I am going for my real MVP, Connor McDavid. He is the first player since 1982 with Wayne Gretzky to get 100 of 100 unanimous votes for MVP. And aside from Gretzky, he is only the second player in 97 seasons to be the unanimous MVP. So, Connor McDavid, you are Ryan Cook's real MVP. Uh, my real MVP for the week is a man who deserves it, and that is Mr. Shohei Otani. Um, he played six games this week since last show, which was last Wednesday. In those six games, he pitched six innings for nine strikeouts, ten RBIs, and five home runs in those six games. Woo! Too bad today sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like me some Shohei. Shohei Otani, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our real MVPs. And let's hit you with this right now, because this is the fun part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a really That's enjoyable it. NBA season That's so that. far. We realized that. I'll deliver first. All right, give me your three strikes. All right, my three strike this week is uh, top 10 NFL quarterbacks with the highest touchdown to interception ratio. Oh, God. In, in their career with at least throwing 1,500 pass attempts in their career. What kind of 
ridiculous fucking thing. <laughs> I will give you a clue. There is a tie for number 10, so if you get either one of them, I will give number 10 to you. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is number two. His is 4.63 touchdowns per one interception. So he, you said he's number two? Number two. Uh, Peyton Manning. Um, Peyton Manning, that is your first strike. Oh, God. Uh, Tom Brady? Hold on a second. I accidentally exited out of this thing. Now I feel like I'm stupid. Oh, that. Oh, God. What's happening? Uh, Tom Brady is number four with 3.04 touchdowns per interception. Okay, so I have four and two? Yep. I'm guessing a lot of these guys are still playing. So I will give you a clue. Every player on this list is active except for two. Okay. Um, so two aren't active. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pat, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is number one. He is a 4.75 touchdown per one interception. All right, I got to go with my guy, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is number 10. No, motherfucker! <laughs> with with 2.26 touchdowns per interception. Okay, so I have one... You have one, two, two four, and, and six. And ten, yeah. One, two, four, and ten. Okay. Um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson number five with 2.89 touchdowns per interception. Um, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is number nine with 2.35 okay. touchdowns per interception. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is number three with 3.30. Oh. So I have one through four. Or one through no, five. No, one through five. One so you need five. six, seven, eight. Okay. And the other ten, if you want to get real technical, because there's a tie. <laughs> and you, you said you said two of these three aren't in the league anymore. Not in the league anymore. No, sorry. The one you Drew Brees was the one you got that wasn't in the league anymore. There's one other player. So out of six through eight, there's only one more player that doesn't play anymore. Okay, so in the league anymore. Okay, so one that isn't in the league anymore and two that are. Okay. Um, Dak. Dak is number six with 2.65. So I have one in the league and one out of the league. Yep. Um, Matt Ryan. That is your second strike. Shit. Um, has the guy who's been out of the league been out of the league for more than five years? Yes. Kaepernick. Yeah. Kaepernick. Yep. Kaepernick has a 2.40 touchdowns. Well, to so, so I have one more left. No, you're missing number eight. And if you guess it, I'll be surprised because this is when I when we talked before. This is one of the guys that I was like, "There's no way he's on this list." Okay, so so you're you're making it seem like it's an obscure garbage player. 
like, I have three people in my head. I have Matt Stafford. I have Carson Wentz. And I have Derek Carr. And and kind of Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. That is your third strike. Frick! It is. It Damn is. It. Number eight. Number eight is Derek oh, Carr, oh, no who, way. I who throws had it. Oh. who throws two point three nine touchdowns per interception. I I should have had that. I said Derek Carr. And then the Carson Wentz is actually tied for eleven at ten with Kurt Cousins with two. Oh my God! Oh, I, I just I mean, do you understand why I had no confidence in those answers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh, I almost defeated three strikes. I had nine right. I'm so mad at myself. But then again, I didn't think I would get nine. But when you said it was current, that that kind of made it easier. Yeah, when Um, I looked at it, I thought there'd be more older people. But, like, the the first person who's, like, retired, retired, like, not counting Drew Brees is Steve Young at, like, 14 or something. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'm responding to somebody. Tell my uh, face. Uh, <laughs> so my three strikes is also NFL. That's also I don't. And I don't remember if we already did this one. If we did, then I'm giving you a free win. Can you name for me the top ten quarterbacks for most uh, most wins as a quarterback? We did not do this one, actually. I did something like it, but not for quarterbacks. I did the most wins um, team, for NBA. Right? Pl- yeah, team. Yep, last week. <laughs> okay, so top 10 quarterbacks for team, or uh, top 10 for NFL win. quarterback wins. Is this including playoffs or just regular season or all career? Uh, it's just this career wins. Uh, okay, I'm going to go Tom Brady. Number one at 230. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning tied for number two at 186. Drew Brees. Drew Brees, number four at 172. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Other, like, elite. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, number nine at 126. Okay, so he's at the end with 126 ones. Okay. Uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre tied for number two with Peyton Manning at 186. Damn. You have one, two, three, four, and nine. Okay. No strike. Uh, bu- 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 Joe Montana? Uh, that is your first strike. He is tied for 12th at 117. Dang. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Eli Manning. Eli Manning is tied with Joe Montana at 12th at 117. Dang. All right. Two strikes. You're missing five, six, seven, eight, and ten. I know. I'm trying to think here. If I, I don't do know. I'm gonna. Yeah, I do. I do want a clue. Yeah. I think I should say think because you're a lot younger than I always think you are. You've seen all but one of these quarterbacks play. Okay. I'm gonna go Ben Roethlisberger. Number five, Ben Roethlisberger, 156. Okay. 
Um, I don't know why I'm going to say this because I know it's the third strike, but I know he was around a long time. I'm going to go Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers number eight, one hundred and thirty. Oh, well, let's go. Philip Rivers is on there, but not Eli Manning, huh? That's crazy. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, this one's hard. Um, John Elway. John Elway, number six at one hundred and forty-eight. Okay. Was he the one that I haven't seen? Because I haven't seen him play. I <laughs> know uh, there's there's two other ones too. Then I guess. Okay. Do you have number seven and number ten left? Dang. Bart Starr? Uh, That is the third strike. Uh, The two you missed were at number seven, Dan Marino, 147. And number 10, Fran Tarkenton at 125. I almost fucking said Fran, but I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way Fran won that many games. Ah, damn. I can't believe Fran was on that. That's crazy. I didn't think he would be. Who, Fran Tarkenton? Yeah, I didn't think. Remember the Vikings went to four Super Bowls? Yeah, but I don't know. I just didn't think that he had that many wins, I guess. He, um, as a member of the Vikings, he went 91 and 73. Uh, with any, six ties. If there's any Packer fans out there, does that make you feel that you have two of the top four winningest quarterbacks in history? And you, got, and you have and two you, Super Bowls for yeah, it? Two, you only got two rings on trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, real repeats out of the way, Uber facts out of the way, three strikes out of the way. Um, Tampa Bay is now up two games to none. Does Montreal got a shot to come back? Kyle Colfield, no. a lot of people are talking about him. No, no. Absolutely not. Nah. Dude, I told, I told you Tampa, bro. I think, I think the Canadians needed to win tonight in Tampa if they were going to have a shot. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I think, to be honest with you, I think the Canadians get swept. I think uh, Tampa wins both games in Montreal, too. Ooh. I think. I just think, not that, the, I, I have to say that the Canadians didn't deserve it, but I feel like it would have been more, we would have had more of a contest if either the Avalanche or the Knights would have won. That's fair. They just have more – both teams just have more offensive star power than the Canadians have. Yeah, that's fair. Um, apparently, the management firm that, that represents Conor McGregor is suing Manny Pacquiao. For what? Apparently, a breach of a contract? I wonder if they Paradise. have like a fight scheduled or something. Paradigm Sports Management filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit Friday against Pacquiao, claiming breach of contract, among other. Um, Judge Burstein told the that his client is seeking damage from Pacquiao that can reach to eight figures. What the hell? Paradigm claims it had exclusive rights to negotiate Pacquiao's next two fights, and his, up, his upcoming bout with Errol Spence Jr. was broken behind the firm's back. In addition, Paradigm says Pacquiao paid a three- 
says it paid Pacquiao a $3.3 million contractual advance that he refused to return. Oh, so what? Conor McGregor is not doing them. The people who represent him? Yeah, that's weird. Um, damn, I don't, I don't know how to look at that, but I do want to dig into the boxing over the weekend. We saw Gervonta Davis Moves up two weight classes to 140. Gets an eighth-round TKO over Mario Barrios. Luke, somebody who is just starting to dabble into the boxing game, what was your thoughts about watching Gervonta Davis move up two weight classes? And when I say two weight classes, we look at the WBA junior lightweight champion at 130, Gervonta Davis. You know, now he he was the WBA regular lightweight champion uh, behind uh, Teofimo Lopez at 135, and now the Gervonta Davis is the WBA regular junior welterweight champion at 140 behind Josh Taylor from England, who Josh Taylor has all four of the titles, by the way, at that division. I didn't watching it. It was my first, like, boxing match that I've, like, actually watched besides the Conor McGregor-Floyd uh, fight a few years ago. And then me and you talked as we watched, like, the Jake Paul-Ben Askren thing. And then um, the Floyd versus Logan Paul thing. Those aren't real boxing matches. Those were just people trying to make money. But it, it was cool to watch versus I'm a big UFC guy. I love watching UFC. It's really, yeah. it's really, inter- it's really interesting to like, see a different type of fighting. Like, not so much, you know, appling and, like, leg kicks. And, um, and, and like, UFC is more like anyone could get knocked out at any second uh, per Ben Askren versus Jorge Masvidal, quickest knockout in UFC history. <laughs> it was interesting to watch, like, uh, Davis, like, work, work the jabs and, and line up those big hooks and uppercuts and, um, trying to find his moment to strike, and uh, it's definitely m- more interesting to watch, I think, in the UFC. To be honest, just because it's more of a waiting game, you know, it's it there. It's only it doesn't happen very often for huge first round knockouts, except for when David Morrell killed that kid in Oh God, arm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Um, But but it, it was definitely more interesting to watch, like. You know, Barros and Davis, like, working to get their shots and, you know, not just trying to get someone to the ground like in the UFC, so. Yeah, and I've been trying to get back into it, you know. I'll tell you right now, um, for planning's sake, but uh, uh, August 7th, the PBC on Fox is going to run another show at the Armory. So we'll be back there in a month from now. Covering boxing, so maybe you can step out and do that one, Luke. Fun. <laughs> if I'm not a midgy by then. <laughs> but uh, David Morrell, as, as he brought up, the WBA regular Super Middleweight champion. Um, Canelo Alvarez has three of the titles at 168. Caleb Plants is the only one who has a title at 168 that Canelo doesn't have. A lot of people are talking about Canelo taking that IBF title from Caleb Plants. But a lot of people are talking about that Canelo Alvarez wants to fight somebody like Archer Benabiev or Dmitry Pavol at 175, which would be just fucking bananas if that happened. But that's something, a whole other time, a whole other day. You mentioned David Morrell Jr. 
you you got to see the knockdown. He hit him with a straight left. Uh, dude didn't fall over, so he came back with another huge left, put him to the ground. What did you think of David Morrell representing Minneapolis coming in and just stockpiling a huge knockout first round rep in his hometown? To, to quote Stephen A. Smith, the great Stephen A. Smith, he is a bad man. <laughs> he he looked unreal. I mean, I've never seen him fight before. Like I said, I just started trying to get into boxing. But, I mean, he hit the man. I mean, the ref had to hug this man back to life. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Was, he was like, it's okay, son. You're dead, but you're coming back. <laughs> he... I mean, David Morrell popped him with that two-piece. It was so, so nasty. It looked like the man tore his ACL. Yeah. Oh, my God. He fell back on his foot, like, snapped back sideways. You're looking at it, you're like, well, that dude's done. Yeah. It was was a hell of a good show. Yeah. It looked like Morrell. It was like a man. Like, I don't want to say man versus boy, but it, it almost looked that way. I mean, Morrell controlled that whole it was a short fight, but he, like, was in control really the whole time. Yep. Uh, Mario Belcazaris just couldn't – he just couldn't hang on. Um, also, for everybody who, who's wondering, too, on that show, uh, Effie Tober Apochi took on Brandon Glanton. I had Glanton win 95-94. Uh, this was a cruiserweight fight that people are saying is the fight of the year. This was incredible. I loved it. Um I had Glanton win the first two rounds. Uh, Effie Tober Apochi take the third, Glanton the fourth, Apochi the fifth, Glanton the sixth, Apochi the seventh, Glanton the eighth, and I had Apochi taking the ninth and um, because of that 10-8 knockdown in the sixth round is the reason that it wasn't a draw for me because I had them both putting five. They are, they are talking rematch. You know, you look at a guy like Dan Raphael on ESPN, He's saying this was the fight of the year. Um, did you, on your telecast, Luke, get to see this Brandon Glanton versus Epitober Apache? It was the fight before the Morel? I did not, know. This fight was out of control. If anybody has a chance to see it, go check it out. It was just tremendous. Also, on that same show, um, Ali Rivera defeated Omar Juarez. Big upset. Um Everybody in the media section told me I was crazy with my with my scoring. Yet Rivera won ninety five ninety four, um, exact same scoring that I had. Obviously, I'm not trying to put myself over, but if you want good scoring, uh, hashtag SDR box on Twitter. Follow the hashtag. Enjoy yourself. I will give you the proper stuff. Um, but we got to talk about our guy Atif Overton. Atif Overton coming out to the number one stunner by the big timers. This man was dancing his way to the ring. He was, I mean, this was one of the funnest experiences I had with somebody I have ever seen go to the ring. Uh, Luke, I think I snapchatted you. But this dude yeah, was going in. Hey, I was I'm feeling a- it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Just tremendous. And then obviously behind that, too, um, he kept getting bumped, which is bullshit because he's so much better than what they did with him. But I can't be mad at it because he still got his fight. He was still showcasing the what. 
our, our boy Vishon Owens defeated Joseph Francisco. Vishon moving to 12 and 2. We love ourselves with Vishon. If you're listening, man, thanks so much for uh, the love you always give us over here at Sportscast 78 Count. Uh, Vishon moving on 12 and 2. Fantastic showing. Made that bitch feel like he didn't know what was going on. Uh, Luke, once again, I tell you, August 7th is the next show. Hopefully. When is it? Make August 7th. Can you say it one more time for me, please? August 7th. <laughs> what time? <laughs> I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you the time. Do I have to wear a suit? I mean, I'm going to wear one. I can't afford one. Will you buy one? Uh, no. Okay, then. I'll, I'll come in my uh, my jeans with my uh, flannel and my cowboy hat. Hey. Ah, you're tight as hell. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we kind of didn't fully touch on it, but Gervonta Davis moves up two rounds, uh, beats uh, Mario Barrios, body shot, closes him down. Davis looks like a bad dude. I don't know where you go with Davis. I just I, I don't see who wants to fight him. I don't see where they want to go. The big fight, the big one everyone wants to see is after his fight on Triller, Teofimo Lopez Jr. facing George Cambosos. The winner of that hopefully should face Vasil Lomachenko. Luke, you got to jump in at the end of it. What did you think of Vasil Lomachenko? Uh, well, we got in at the end, like you said. He looked really good. He came back from injury, said, right? Like a shoulder. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I mean, he looked good. like he, he looked. He wasn't even safe. But he's good against that um, kid. Thing. Um, he looked strong. He looked like he, he looked like he had no pain. So hopefully, the injury doesn't come back. But what I saw in late, he looked. Uh, coming up to on the the boxing calendar, uh, July ninth, uh, Gilberto Ramirez is going to be facing Sylvan Barrera on the zone. Kind of a fun fight. Uh, Joseph Jojo Diaz Jr. and Javier Fortuna for the WBC interim light heavyweight title. But what's really intriguing is July 17th on Showtime, Jamel Charles taking up. What's that? Nothing. I'm itching my leg. Sorry. No. Jamel, Jamel Charles is going to be taking on Brian Castano. Uh, Castano is your WBO junior middleweight champion. Charlo is the IBF, WBC, and WA junior champion. They are going to unify all four titles on the Showtime card. I'm really excited for this. And for everybody who wants some good shit, July 24th, Luke, maybe you can make your way over to the Casa. Uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, three for Tyson Fury's WBC heavyweight title. Uh, FAI Yagba and Frank Sanchez on the undercard along with Robert Hellenius and Adam Kowaniak, and then Jared Anderson and Vladimir Tereshkin. Four heavyweights on one card. This is going to bang. But once again, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, coming up on July 24th. My boy, Dante Wilder. He's tight, man. So maybe, maybe you can come catch the... The Wilder fight for the sake of, but uh, what day is that? Uh, that is July twenty fourth. July twenty fourth. I'm writing it in my calendar right now. 
I'll believe it when you're here. I expect <sighs> Philly. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to spend 100 bucks on that pay-per-view. Kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm going to toss you an arm and like, you, you better bring enough chili for the two of us or the eight of us, but for me and the seven of them. Oh, fuck those people. Yeah, I'm, you, I, I'm, I'm expecting my own pot of chili. Your own pot? Well, what would you like in it? What kind of meat? I Whatever you do is fine. Just make it spicy like you have. Oh, yeah, burn it. You want it to burn when it goes down? Yeah, I mean, you got to do a lot to make me have a... Are you, are you being mugged right now? No, I, I, I swear to God I'm not. I'm sitting in my, my living room just ch-ch-chilling. Are you getting comfy? Yeah, I'm going to play some show, bitch. All right, then. MLB the show, then. Bring me chili, July 24th. Fury Wilder, we'll go live that night, too. Y'all can hear our instant reaction on the shit. We're going to get Luke in on that. Uh, with that being said, next week, where are we going? Let's um, go next week. Who's all in that division? Let's 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 do Miami and the Cowboys. Miami and Dallas coming next week, guys. We uh, we'll deliver you the goods. We appreciate y'all jumping out with us. We want to play some video juegos. Luke, Luke, did you do, did you have uh, Cold War? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had Cold War downloaded the whole time. I just don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> There's this wayside game mode we should play. Prop Hunt? I've played it. It's pretty, pretty fun. Um, you do full play got, it with me. That's why. You got you to gotta play it. You got to play with like a group of people you know, though. Well, I have a group of people that are waiting for us at midnight to play it. Only, Only if I get a BJ from one of them. Well, that concludes our show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking news. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Power Five, you know, move away. (laughs) The clip's going clip. (laughs) Clip's going clip. We're going to be back. Uh, We were coming back tomorrow with WrestleCast Radio. We are going to talk the All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown three-way ordeal that happened on Night of Champions. Also, Pro Wrestling Noah. Ran two fantastic shows with Kano and Great Vuta. Also, Dragon Gate had a badass uh, six-man tag three-way. So we got some wrestling to talk about. Uh, WWE is trash as normal, so don't expect that from us. We're going to have some fun. Also, every Wednesday night, www.twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio. Join us, Pro Wrestling Summit. I want to thank each and every one of you. The video on demand for Summer Games 2 is cracked over 300 downloads for uh, video on demand. I appreciate you guys doing that for me. That's incredible. I uh, can't wait to see the numbers. Know. Summer Games 2 was the shit. And, uh, thank everyone for came for who came with us on that. Uh, shout out to uh, Luke and Doof who didn't do shit for Summer Games. So, hey, I was there for like a good two hours of it. It's not my fault that a bitch went 3 a.m. I was asleep. Hey, you could have talked. I could have, I could have been like, yeah, get him, Ryan, yeah, like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> you like him, brother. Can I get the man- before we go? Can I get the Manny Pacquiao? He didn't even do anything. 
Yeah, the Bobby Pacquiao. I got, I got you with that, Manny. Hold up, hold up. Here it is. I thought I won the fight. You thought you won the fight? Why? He didn't do nothing. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. <laughs> that was a fight with Floyd Mayweather, right? Yep, yep. Oh, that's great. Appreciate everyone that came on here. Want to shout out to uh, to uh, Hyman. Got him. <laughs> or whatever ah. the fuck his name is. We will see you all next Friday night sportscast radio. Uh, keep your eyes open for WrestleCast. As always, every Friday night, twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio. Get us up on the on the summit. With that being said, we're heading on the Xbox. You know us on the Xbox. Come talk to us. Otherwise, do small trade. We'll see you next Wednesday night, 10 p.m. We out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.